Thanks to the folks at Racetech for coming on board this show. Pulp 22 is a code to save with Racetech. Uh, yeah, get some, get the code, save some money, get your suspension work done, get your motor work done. Pulp 22 is a code to save with Racetech. Racetech.com and uh, get your bike working a little better, all right? Get ready to ride with All Balls Racing after a long winter. Your bike may be ready for some TLC, a carburetor rebuild kit from All Balls Racing. Can get your bike in a top condition and ready to hit the road or trails. Uh, please call them, 555-402-8000. Uh, the AllBallsRacing.com team is ready to help you out. They have uh, that carburetor rebuild kit along with a large selection of other power sports maintenance and repair parts. So thank you to those guys, All Balls Racing. They're all in, so you can go all out. On to the show. A Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxxis Tires, Renthal, Motosport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Before we begin, thank you to Racetech. Uh, Zombie Blows is a Racetech service center uh, over there in Arizona, so you can actually do your suspension for you. There's service centers all across America, and when you look at uh, the AJE guys, the Solitaire guys, um, and more, uh, using Racetech, Racetech.com, um, they got suspension that'll dial you in. Um, they can do the weight. You can do suspension for your weight and or speed. They got motor work going on at Racetech. They can uh, uh, help you dial in your spring rate that you need. Try to give your bike some love, and uh, it'll love you back. If you haven't changed your oil in your fork and shock, then please uh, get on it right away. And use the code PULP22. Tell them you listen to Pulp MX. They'll give you a discount. Racetech, Racetech.com. Thank you to uh, All Balls Racing. All Balls Racing, they're all in, so you can go all out. Get ready to ride with All Balls after a long winter. You, your bike may be ready for some TLC. A carburetor rebuild kit from All Balls Racing can get your bike into top condition and ready to hit the road or trails. Find carburetor rebuild kit options along with a large selection of other power sports maintenance and repair parts like Vertex and Pivot Works and Hot Cams. At AllBallsRacing.com, the All Balls customer service team is also available to assist with any part or fitment questions give them a call at 555-402-8000 for more information all balls racing uh great companies and a lot of products under their uh, umbrella that work really really well thank you to those guys for coming on board uh thank you people for listening all right on to the show a Pulp MX network production welcome to the fly racing steve mathis show presented by maxis tires renthal motosport.com and kuba links on racerxonline.com With your continuing gracious support of our sponsors, we're thriving at over 1,800 podcasts delivered with over 20 million downloads. Click the Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. 
Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's the voice bringing it all to you, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Got a few different people on this one uh, talking about life after racing and then also uh, agent talk uh, with Lucas Myrtle. So thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Really wanted to get into um, life after racing. A couple of great examples, Talon Volan, Brock Glover, of guys that from different eras that have adjusted very, very well to life after racing. And it's an issue for a lot of racers out there, man. There's a lot of guys, and there's some all-timers, man. And uh, I meet them, and they're awesome, but they're struggling in life, right? They're trying to find their niche. They're trying to find their gig. You know, the money mostly is gone. You know, these guys didn't make a lot of money. And, you know, things are tough. And Volan and Glover are a couple guys that really, really did it well. And and I wanted to talk to them about that and find out their successes and their reasons and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and so interesting conversations with Brock Glover and Talon Volan. And then Lucas Myrtle and I just shoot the shit about the Lawrences and some other stuff that's that uh, is going on in the industry. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Of course, Justin Brayton uh, running Fly Racing. RJ Hampshire as well. So Fly Racing, please check it out uh, at your local dealer at motorsport.com. They do uh, great things over there. And uh, they got gear to fit uh, fit you, uh, fit your style selection, fit your color selection, whatever it is they can make it happen. Kinetic Mesh is coming out very soon. Um, yeah, it's getting hot, and Kinetic Mesh is the bomb. It's the it's the gear of choice of Weege. Yeah, even Weege, he loves Kinetic Mesh. So thank you to Fly Racing. And again, if you're looking for a helmet, please read all the literature. Please read all about the Formula Helmet and all the things that they've done over there. So they're doing a great job with the Formula Helmet. It's Fly Racing, guys. I want to thank the folks at Max's Tires, SGB Honda, putting it in the main event every week with Cade Clayson on his Max's Tires. A-Ray as well uses Max's Tires. Um, and, yeah, great mountain bike tires as well. Um, also, Jeremy McGrath developed the MXST. So Max's Tires on board with this podcast. And if you haven't thought about Max's for a while, please check it out. And uh, they make tires for a lot of things. And uh, they got a lot of stuff going on. So, um Great company over there. Um, light truck tires, trailer tires, Maxis.com. Good enough for Kay Clayson. Good enough for you people, right? Or McGrath, for that reason. Coba uh, Links and Motorsport.com, all balls uh, as well on board this podcast. We'll talk about them later. But uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Uh, here is Brock Lover, Talon Voland, and Lucas Myrtle. Enjoy. Okay. All right, everybody, to kick off the uh, life after racing bit on this, uh, on this uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast, I got a man who uh, certainly – He's done a lot in the industry uh, on the track and off the track now, and uh, looking forward to talking to him about some of these issues that riders find uh, uh, when they hang up the boots and, and trying to get your way in the industry and make a living and all of that. Uh, it is six-time uh, national champion, former factory Yamaha rider. Now he's working at Dunlop. Brock Lover. What's up, Brock? How are you, man? Oh, uh, good. Travel weekend. We're talking about jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Foxborough Supercross and then jumped on a plane on late Saturday night and went to Boise to the Racer X Interam. Uh, it's an annual vintage yep. race up there that I love to attend and it's very fun. 
well attended and, and uh, great to see a couple of, you know, Ryan Villapoto was there. And yeah. Rodney Smith and a couple of AMA Hall of Famers showed up and rode around. It was fun to watch them on old vintage bikes. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, you're, you're certainly into that and you're pretty well knowledgeable about those bikes too and everything else. So <laughs> I'm sure you were telling RV all about the bikes and he was like, yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so, no, actually he's, uh, oh my gosh, he's, he's jumped into that. <laughs> he's jumped into that mm-hmm. more heavier, more heavily than I ever have. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's, he's way into it. So, um, he, he so- looks good. Well, okay, so let's let's dive into this a little bit. Like, obviously, look, you uh, you were in an era that didn't pay what the riders make nowadays, but you were certainly one of the more successful riders of your generation with all your wins and everything else. And you you stopped racing. I know, like, in 88, you did the GPs. 89, you're still racing local stuff, riding a Honda, getting a lot of money on contingency, I see, in Cycle News. and But at some point... Were you were you one of those guys that so I imagine Brock you had enough money to not work for a while and to figure out what you wanted to do, but did you take some time when you hung up the boots to to just you know ride your bicycle and hang out and get a get a deal or when did you jump into you know uh, um, no fear for a while the PJ one like how how did your transition go did you struggle a little bit or or what you know I. I don't want to say I didn't struggle, but I don't think I did. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there, I mean, there's, uh, in, we were one year off on those timelines, by the way, I, I rode the GPs in 89. I dabbled a couple of international races in the early nineties where I was still, you know, being mm-hmm. asked to come over and come to Europe and do things. But, uh, so when I retired to, be honest with you. I mean, I was mentally pretty tired mm-hmm. and, and, you know, there's only so much in the sport and anybody who does it at this level, I mean, you see the riders, I luckily didn't start until much later. I mean, I really, I didn't even race my first race until I was 13. And, and that race was, a. Uh, it didn't go over real well at the homestead with my mom and, and, and my parents were already in a transitional divorce era. And, and it was, it was something my dad knew about, but my mom didn't. And so I got grounded for a while. So I jumped back into racing. Uh, I finally wore her down enough that, that she let me ride a race another race when I was at the end of my 13, almost 14 years old. So mm-hmm. when I started racing, then I started racing pretty aggressively, you know, tried to race a couple times a week, a night race during the week and a weekend race. And so I was kind of fortunate to get to the top pretty quickly, you know, just a couple of years time I was racing pro. And, and so what I'm getting at is, is that some riders who started some of my contemporaries who started at three and four years old, by the time they raced, I mean, you look back at how many years they'd mm-hmm. already raced on the time they turned pro. They had a lot of years, and then they competed for a long time, too, afterwards. But me, mentally, when I retired, uh, I, I was I was tired. And yeah. I, I don't – I personally – can't imagine some of these guys that race for 25 years sure. before they ever retired. It's, it's hard sport and everything, I guess I took it so much to heart. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, everything I did, uh, everything I ate, how well I slept, how well I trained during the week, what my practice sessions felt like, uh, just everything was, is so you put so much into it when you're, when you're tired and you're done, you're just kind of done. And I look at guys like Damon Bradshaw and, and you know, obviously Damon retired much earlier than, yeah. Most people would have thought he needed to, but he too was another one that started at such a young age and had, you know, so much of his life devoted to it that, you know, there's just other interests in life. So I did need, I did need some downtime and I did step away from the sport and, and for all intents and purposes, I kind of got away. Yeah. I, 
I, I, you know, I competed in what was biathlons. They're basically a triathlons without triathlon without the, without the uh, swim. And I did some few other things just to kind of burn my, you know, I, I enjoyed the training part of yep. it and just kind of burn up that energy and that competitive, uh, I guess, burning inside of me. But it's, it, it's, I always had a business side in my brain. I grew yep. up, yep. my parents owned their own companies and I always kind of knew the business side and I always knew that even racing motorcycles was truly a business. So it was a combination, just needed some downtime. And, and hey. you meant, you mentioned I went to work for no fear and that was, a. um, that was kind of my passion. I'd taken up golf. And, was that the and, first so, thing you did after retiring? Like the first yeah, kind of job? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I remember feeling, <laughs> filling out the forms and going, okay, now how much taxes are you supposed to do? <laughs> how many dependents do I have? Right. It was just like, like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Yeah. I've never done this before. And yeah. so uh, it was fun. And uh, the no fear job was, was actually completely out of motorcycles. It was yeah. in the, uh, it was in the golf. They wanted to, no fear at the time wanted to expand in all sorts of different sports. And so they, you know, we, I kind of laid out a business plan and it was really their first true proactive, uh, you know, endeavor when it comes to comes to business where they actually had it all planned out like step one, step two, step three. And, and, um, it was, it was, it was good. And it was, it lasted a few years and then they just, um, the company kind of went a little, it had some issues and then they had to they based, they pulled the plug on everything except motorsports and surfing. So they just, uh, you know, a lot of people from the baseball to football and all the different areas they were dabbling in. Just it was just one day they decided they were done, and and so then at that point, yeah, if you and by the way, for people who are listening, if you want to go read more about this, and it's, there's some hilarious stories in there. I did a long form on No Fear. It's on PulpMX.com or RacerX, and Brock gets into some of the some of the day to day things at No Fear that. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> we're pro- yeah. As somebody who's organized and thorough like yourself just drove oh, you yeah. completely bonkers. <laughs> well, it, 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 I'm a detail person, no yeah. question about it. And I think the little details matter. That's what kind of separates you from the field, you uh-huh. know, separates you from the pack. That little extra thing that you can do if it's racing a motorcycle, that little extra thing you can do in a corner or a jump or whatever, you know, maybe yeah. it's a bike setup. But it, it does to me, in my mind, it separates, you know, uh, separate you. And so I wanted to do it right. And yep. we, we had it. We had it going good, and then there was a few things there. But moving on from there, I'd always had a personal relationship with a gentleman who started uh, PJ1, and he was always saying, hey, if you get done racing, you know, come to work for me, come to work for me. Yeah, you always ran PJ1 PJ1 stickers forever. uh, Yeah, we were just – yeah, it was kind of a, a little bit of somebody, a sounding board for mm-hmm. me from the business side, business side of things and kind of a, I would call it a mentoring right. position and he was successful in his own right. And so it was kind of good, and, and, you know, for me to, to, to be able to talk to him. And then for after many years of asking, I finally said, you know what, let me, I, I wouldn't mind doing this. And so yeah. that was fun. It was, it was a brand manager position and I thought I did a good job for him. I, I, um, kind of brought them from the, older you know i i just remember dying my head and writing a piece one time and said in the very end of a review it said something you know by the way this is not your dad's pj1 anymore and it was like you know and and it was and then he wrote you know he wrote something about pj1's cool again and it was it was like wow that was that to me was better than anything i could have ever done you know by having somebody see that from the outside and put it in black and white it was it was rewarding for me and i helped 
kind of transformed the brand and did some more image ads and then kind of worked into the product ads instead of just jamming product down your throat all the time. Yeah. And so it was fun. It was fun to um, do. And then and that was that was that a did you have to go to an office for that or did you work remotely yeah, for that? Okay. Or that not. was yeah, that was a tough one. Um being living in San Diego yep. and they're based in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, okay. At one point, my intention, my wife had gone, had, had, you know, lived in Arizona and went to high school there and her parents were still there and we talked about moving over there. And so at that point, it, it just after a while, I kind of realized I really didn't want to sell and move and, and uproot everything. And so luckily for me, some of the work that I'd been doing kind of caught the eye of, uh, caught the eye of, uh, well, Mike Buckley at Dunlop Tires, mm-hmm. and also it even and Jeff Fox, even from the uh, Jeff Fox from Parts Unlimited, and I know that they all had kind of you know when you're in upper management in our industry, you kind of all talk and and, and speak. And, and one of the things that came up was I get my name at a Colorado 300 ride that uh, Parts Unlimited puts on, and so my name got tossed around a little bit about possibly going to work for a different company yep. and. And I got asked if I was enjoying what I was doing. And to be honest with you, I have way too much racing in my blood. (laughs) And it was like I wanted to get back to where I was attending races and not just, you know, literally going to the office or going to dealerships and trying to almost represent a brand or a little bit more of a almost like the sell sell side of things. So that's where, you know, after doing that for another another two, two and a half years, I that was when I started with Dunlop in 2001, and it's been almost 21 years. Um, let's back up a little bit. So you, I imagine, like, again, you won a lot of races and championships, but you, I mean, you didn't have to work, right? You had enough money put away. I'm, no, I'm sure you were smart with your money where you could take some time and figure out what you wanted to do, I imagine, right? That, that's kind of where you were at. I mean, I, you weren't in the golden era of, of moto, you know, what these guys make, but it was still pretty good because you're one of the all times. So, yeah, I mean, for, in my situation, yep. um, my very first championship, honestly, it was a $5,000 bonus. Yeah. And my next, my next championship was a $30,000 bonus. And then it went to a hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it was, yeah, I was very fortunate that I was right. Maybe one year, two years, a little early, too early, if you want to say, but I wouldn't say, I mean, yeah, we were able to, make a good living in our yeah. day no question about it and yes i did yeah it luck i was fortunate enough to be smart enough not to throw away all my money on yeah. stupid things and and uh and then so, from there um, so that helped retire. right that helped a little yeah. bit like that like kind of allowed you some breathing room i guess absolutely absolutely and i i didn't really work for about seven or eight years so it was that was yeah. odd in itself yeah yeah when you're when you're 30, 31, 34 years old and you're going, okay, what am I going to do all day? And again, I, I was doing some training and things, but it, to be honest with you, there's no end game in that. You're not going to make a living yep. trying to race biathlons. And if you don't have the genetics that it takes to be a super elite athlete, you're not going to make any money. And so it's, it's just to the point where, yeah, it's fun, but that's, it's a hobby. Yeah. And from that point, I, I was, you know, probably spending more time than more, most people would know on golf courses and practicing and doing things like that. But it's also, that's also strange in itself. I, I, I would run into professional athletes that played for either the Chargers or the Padres or something, and we would kind of have something in common. And then during their off season, we'd play golf together here sometimes. And, and then, you know, I kind of, you 
sort of befriend a bunch of golf bums and in it, but my world was different than theirs. I wasn't yeah. worried about how to pay my next house payment or whatever. Yeah. It just, it just, I, I just knew after a while, it's okay. I got that out of my system and now I need to you know, buckle right. up and do, do something. So did different. you, so when you start doing no fear, I, I, I imagine like, and, and you know, a couple writers I've talked to over the years, did you have to like sort of, teach yourself how to use a computer a spreadsheet excel like did you have to i mean i don't know how much you knew about it when you were racing like was it a hard thing to buckle down and like you know find out how to work this stuff and, and place po's and and all of that like how did you str struggle with those kind yes. of skills <laughs> absolutely yeah i yeah. i i true i truly went to the community college and i started really? rolling oh wow rolling in classes. <laughs> okay yeah yeah i had yeah. i had never turned a computer on when I retired motorcycles, I mean, computer, they were new. Yeah. yeah. One guy, the only guy I knew it even had one was, I remember Scott Burnworth got a Mac, you know, he got like a first, one of the first Macintoshes and he's like, this thing's cool. And he's drawing things and designing hats and, and yeah. he still does it yeah. to this day. And he's very good at it. And it's, it's funny for me. Oh, I, I remember signing up. I didn't know if we were going to use Mac or PC at the time. I really hard, barely knew the difference. I didn't, I knew they were computers. And so my, I remember my very first computer class was meet the Mac and it it was yeah, like, yeah. okay, it was an introduction to Mac. And then from there I went on to do, uh, you know, for me, I'm just kind of more of a numbers person. And, and yep. so a fascination of, of, you know, Excel spreadsheets and things. So I signed up for Excel classes. And then I also knew somebody that was super proficient at Excel. And he taught me to do a lot of things and uh, taught me to do mm -hmm. a lot of formulas and different things. And then I went back to, you know, some more community college, you know, night classes wow, and look things at you. like that. Wow, yeah, yeah. I know. And yeah. so um, I, I do remember at one point when the teacher was teaching and I was showing him some formulas that I'd been working on and things to do. And he's like, he looked at me like, what are you doing in this class? You're like, you're wasting your time kind yeah. of a deal. And I said, but the truth, I wasn't, I, there's always one or two little things that yep. they can show you that you can use. But yes, I actually yeah. did. I did sign up for some formal classes. Yeah. You, you're such a step ahead of, of a lot of racers. Um, and then, so what I admire about you and why I wanted to get you on this was because, again, like, I think you're smart with your money. I think you're fine, like, that way, even though you didn't, you know, ride in the era of the million-dollar salaries and all that. So I, I understand that, but I think that you probably were fine. But you really have a great work ethic because you're – whether it's PJ1 or Dunlop now, you're at almost every single race. You're traveling during the week. I've talked to you a bunch of times. Like, you're grinding away here. And, you know, as good as you were on the bike – and again, all those titles and wins, you're able to sort of put your ego over here and be like, you know, I have to talk to this privateer, or I have to talk to this dad, or I have to, you know, go into this dealer when you're PJ1 and, and sell him oil or, or, you know, that's, I think some guys struggle with that, right? Some ex-racers struggle with like, you know, I gotta, I'm just, uh, I'm a worker guy, you know? Uh, it's not easy for you guys that... You know, especially you, you were such a champion at such a young age and you're signing autographs and you're making all this money. So that that's why I admire that, Brock. That, that takes a lot of, uh, um, I guess, uh, um, perseverance, you know? Yeah, it, uh, well, thank you. I mean, it, it, for me, I honestly, I think, Steve, I have always looked at it the angle. I was such a little fan. You know, when I grew up racing more, so mm -hmm. the same thing that drove a lot of us to the sport. I was a fan of the sport. I mean, I was in awe of staring through the fence at the USGP at Carlsbad or whatever it may be. And, and you kind of, I just never forget yep. two, two things kind of like that's, 
I always put myself back in that position. And it doesn't matter. Obviously, now more people that approach me are more similar ages and, and they're, you know, but they still a lot of times even have, you know, a bit of the, I don't know, like just they're, I, I don't want to call it envious of your career or whatever it uh-huh. may be, but they're appreciative of it. And they, they, they're, you know, and very, usually the time very respectful of what you did and, 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 and always enjoy talking about it. And I enjoy talking about racing in general. And I think uh, yeah. it's important to, to feel that way. And I always remember what it was like for me to look up to the top riders or whatever it may be and how they treated each you never knew who you were going to be talking to. I mean, you yeah. didn't know if that person you're talking to 10 years from now or five years from now is going to be a top racer or they're just yeah. the average yeah. person. And so I think that's kind of important. And the other thing for me when I retired, I, I never really put my self-worth in. And this is the thing that a lot of top riders do struggle with when they're retiring. I never put my self-worth, who I was as a person, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't correlated directly with how i performed on the track like yeah it yeah it it's there were different things it's i was a good rider i raced yeah when i didn't do well i didn't i wasn't pleased with myself um i wanted to do the best i could do and give it if i you know did i give it the best effort did i perform the best i could you know and if i did usually i could win but if i didn't i was like okay why didn't i perform well and how can i perform better next time but i didn't think who i was as a person was directly correlated with yeah. what I did on the track. And I think, unfortunately it's hard for a lot of people that retire when the cheering stops yeah. and that excitement stops and that thrill, it's hard to describe what it's like to, and somebody brought it up the other day. I mean, I remember winning in, in the old Anaheim stadium when it was a fully enclosed uh-huh. football, it was a football baseball, you know, shared stadium. And, I think the seating capacity was about, I think it was 71,000 people. And you win, you win somewhere where there's 71,000 people and humans. (laughs) It doesn't matter if only 10% of them are rooting for you. There's, there's some energy there that it's hard to, it's, it's definitely a high. And, but if that's what you're always after in life, um, you're going to struggle. And and so for me, I feel like I was able to separate the two. You just totally answered my next question I have on my paper here is, you know, we know some of these all-time greats that have struggled off the track and bounced around mm-hmm. and lost money and substance issues, right, drinking and, and pills or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, these guys were amazing racers, and when the applause, applause stops, they don't know what to do. And I guess that's what you answered my question is is they have – their self-worth is in their racing, and maybe they yeah. can't put the ego – aside to be like hey man i gotta go to community college you know talon volan talked about that too i I did he's coming up next and like yeah you gotta like i guess apply the work ethic of your training coming up you know as a motorcycle racer to off the track and i think that's where these guys struggle yeah i couldn't agree more and and if the riders would instead of looking backwards and looking at oh man like I wish I could still race good well or whatever it may be. And sometimes it, it has to be extremely hard when you're one of the top riders and then your entire career and everything that you had envisioned for yourself was yeah. pulled out from underneath. Sometimes it's pulled out from underneath you in a yep. split second because of an injury and it could be career in- ending injury. And, and that makes it really hard. But I think if people would try to focus a little bit more that competitiveness that mm-hmm. drove you to become to the top and what drove you to be a top racer, that competitiveness 
can be used in business and other areas too. So yeah. it's, you know, I see a lot of, that's why you do see a lot of ex-athletes when they do make the proper transition, how they can be so darn, you know, successful because they use that same desire or whatever it took to be one of the best in what they did in the sport or whatever mm-hmm. it may be to become an excellent business person. So, yeah, I think, uh, like you said too, like, uh, I mean, you went to community college. I mean, that's not easy for a guy like you at your level. Like it's not right. And, uh, no, it's- yeah, like, I think that these guys are like, uh, I'm not going to community college, you know? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that takes a lot of uh like you said swallowing your ego, right? So. Well, I mean, it's yeah, it's I mean, I signed up. They were kind of really there were they were classes for adults and and to try to just learn, you know, they were offered through the community college and you know, I went to the campus, the same campus actually. It's kind of funny. Uh, you know, our, our both of our kids took some prerequisites at the same campus and so yeah i was sitting in there and learning how to turn on there was people anywhere from yeah maybe in the early 20s the people that were in their 50s and 60s yeah. and and at the time you know it's like that yeah, you, you learn do you when you see some of these ex-guys that you competed against or you know that you know in the 90s or whatever and you see them struggling or you see them at a race right you're at these legends and heroes things and you're at mm-hmm. around and you see these guys like do they ask you for help? Do you counsel them? Have you done that? Have you called people? Have you, you know what I mean? I, I imagine that some people are like, you know, hey, Brock, like, what do I do or what's next, right? Like, is that something that you've had to do over the years? Uh, it, it's surprisingly probably less than you would, expect, oh, okay. you would think. Yep. And, um, you know, it's it's not easy for people to reach out to other people when they're struggling here and there. And so yeah. it's... Um, you know, I, I know there's been some talks and more initiatives right now with Rick Dowdy and and mm-hmm. the group that's been doing some stuff with Road to Recovery. And, there's, you know, it's more of a mental health issue. But I think a lot of it, again, it gets back to really have to be careful to not put all your self-worth in, in your racing. And, yeah. and it's it's really hard nowadays. My goodness, every, everybody you show up <laughs> with, if they all have their they all have their their crew and, yeah. you know, if it's their girlfriend and their moms and dads and their agents and their whatever and the unfortunate thing is in, in our reality is those although those agents may have a role in our industry but as soon as they're as soon as you're done they're on to the next train they're trying to jump tracks to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy and then you're going to be left behind and who you thought was your best buddy bro there yeah. was, had your back all the time as soon as that paycheck for you and and it gets a lot harder to uh, sell you as a commodity to a business they're going to be on to yeah. the next one that's a lot easier to a lot easier to sell the sponsorships to and, and earn their percentage on it so yeah. and then and, and it's difficult too you see these parents i mean my goodness the kid kid wins the c class at loretta's and the next thing you know they've got their house on the market they're moving down to a <laughs> training facility they're moving in full time and some you know training thing and they've got their whole their whole lives their parents life your life and they're all they're all riding the pressure of a, of a young kid that's you know barely out of the c class and it's it's boy it's it's yeah that's not not the healthiest thing i've I, ever seen i can bet and i imagine this has happened to you a bunch over the years and 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 you know i'm sure it's i'm sure you're over it but at some point look again like you know you're you're brock glover you're an ama hall of famer you've done all this stuff in the sport national championship supercross winner all this stuff at some point, you're probably talking to some people who have no idea that you raced, right? Like, how crazy is that? Where you're like, you're just 
And again, you talk about putting your ego aside and not putting yourself worth into your racing. But at some point, you're probably just like, whether it's the PJ1 gig, um, you know, which wasn't was yeah. not that far after you hung it up, or the Dunlop thing where people are just like, you know, you're, they had no idea. And that's got to be something else, I imagine. <laughs> No, it's I. I do get a kick out of it. Actually, yeah. I, I think it, I think it's one of the more fun things. But <laughs> yeah. it's uh, just like yeah, who are you? You're just like you, now yeah. more. I think now as much as ever. Although I think social media and just yeah. that has is kind of brings it back around a little bit. But there's definitely an era there that I was kind of just known as the the Dunlop dude. And yeah. I it was the, the first time I ever met Davy Millsaps. I remember that too. He introduced me to Carlos <laughs> Rivera, his mechanic at the time. That I was the hey the Dunlop dude once. <laughs> To get us some tires and <laughs> it was, it was funny because, because yeah. at the time uh, Davey and Brock Hepler were the two Suzuki amateur yep. kids that were just about ready to turn pro and, and uh, Brock Hepler's you know whose father and parents named him after me Brock was well aware who I was and I think Brock, Brock Hepler and his mom and dad looked at like did Davey just say that really yeah it was, it was funny and Davey is he's such a he's a fun guy I love yeah. that guy and, so and, and yeah and again he, he, uh, you're fine with it like, yeah yeah yeah, no, yeah. So yeah of course yeah hey he's a young kid right. he's not sitting around but it, it, it it's a little it's you no know, question I understand there's people that are just different than me and mm-hmm. me I'm I knew the history of our sport I still know the history of our sport you way yeah. you know, well before I know the world champions from the 60s I know what they I mean yeah, yeah. I, I know I, I I look at Tiger Woods Tiger Woods knows all the championships of every golfer that mm-hmm. ever came before him kind of a deal and that's a little bit how I was but not every golfers that way they might not yeah. even know yeah they not might not know who so-and-so was from the 60s or 70s but you know I I do and do you and, uh, do you feel like uh you know there's a lot of talk about CTE and concussions and all that stuff in other sports and there's no doubt our sports some of our guys you know you can tell them they're they're you know they've taken some hits, and uh, you've crashed. Um, you've knocked yourself out and raced the next moto. I guarantee you. Um, do you feel like that's an issue in our sport, or do you feel like that at all? Like, um, you know, we need to do more about that kind of stuff. That, that's a really good question. Um, I yes, there. If, if we had concussion protocol and what we have today, I would have lost some championships yeah, way, because yeah. I I know. I finished a race in Gainesville where I had no clue. And maybe John R., you worked with John R., my mechanic at Yamaha. I mean, he told me I had no idea that I just came up to the finish line in Gainesville after circulating. I'd crashed really badly. Mm -hmm. I know know that. And uh, I I continued to circulate around the track at probably 75, 80% pace. And luckily, I ended up scoring four or five points or something. I finished in the top 20. But he said I came across the finish line and I just stopped on top of the finish line, like and just stood there for a little bit. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And he just walked over to me and he said, "About he goes, I was about ten feet away, and you just got off the bike and walked away. And you know, lo and behold, the bike did not stay up there by himself and just fell over. And you wow. walked back to the yeah. pits. And yeah. and he, you know, I knew you were out of it. And it's like you know, you wonder how. Yeah, we've all had mm-hmm. some concussions, and, and and I sure hope. I haven't had one in a long, long, long time, but I do, I do question some of these riders because I don't know. I seem sometimes they, I see them do things and they kind of just have that moment where it's like, I, it's, I almost feel like it's concentration lapse, ADHD, or you call it what you want, yeah, yeah. but boy, boy, it's like, you know, you see some of these guys that like, I looked back at one particular rider and it was he had only one main event this entire year. It was the first race of the year had not fallen in the main event. And it's like, these guys, like 
you can't get through a main event without falling every single time. Yeah. I, I wonder sometimes, and some of them are just kind of silly tip overs and you wonder if you're just losing focus and mm-hmm. you wonder and you say, yeah, that person had a bad concussion or he had this and that. You just wonder if they're not, I don't know, boy, it, it the, the guys are going so fast. The bikes are so good that the human body can only hit the ground going so fast. And I, I, I do worry about some of that, you yeah. know, how long it takes to recover from a, 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 a real strong head and or a good, yeah. strong concussion like that. How much longer do you want to do this, Brock? Like, again, you're grinding it out, like I said, and you're going to these races and you're doing stuff during the week and, and you know, you've, you, you know, you, you're doing well in life. How much longer do you want to keep grinding? Have you thought about that? Have you, have you looked at a, at an exit plan for yourself? You know, I don't. <laughs> Just love it. You love that? it. How's that? I actually, I truly, I have kind of a, I, I mean, I work from home. So when I am home, I'm home. Yeah. Home yep. office. I have a full, full office set up in the house. And I travel to a lot of events. Mm-hmm. I get to see a lot of different people. And my position at Dunlop is, I'm the senior manager of the off-road racing. So I can go to GNCCs if I want to. I can go to different disciplines of our sport. And I really, truly do enjoy it. I mean, it's yep. fun going to a few amateur, some amateur races in the year, and it's fun going to the, it's fun going to GNCC races there. And, and Dunlop is is such a strong brand in our industry. It's it's not like I'm working for an underdog, and it, it's fun. And in in this company that I work for, I mean, pretty much most people in our division at the. At yep. the motorcycle tire side of our company are enthusiasts so it's not like we're having to explain racing to our management and and it's uh i i really do enjoy it i mean i i i look at a guy like roger DeCoster and look how long he's been doing it. yeah and so he still obviously enjoys the competitive side of it and, and so yeah i don't i'm not 100 percent certain i'll go that long but i can right. you know maybe <laughs> who knows Right, right. Well, um, thanks for the time. Appreciate it. I think you're a, a prime example of like a legend in the sport that has made a smooth transition after racing. And, and, and you know, and again, like I guess, like you said, your self worth's not in your racing. Your hard work that got you to be so good on the track enabled you to, you know, sign up for community college and try to learn business. And yeah, I mean, it's all things that I think are, are helpful for racers who are trying. Maybe some of our buddies are listening to this, you know, trying to figure out what's next in their life like it ain't easy you know so no it's not and you know what i i as you know i enjoy conversation and i ask people i mean i I remember asking scott link when he was working for alpine stars and it's like hey scott and and he gave me a couple of names of books to uh to read he said read this one read this one there's a couple of books and i went out and bought them and read them they were easy reads about marketing and and you know the the great marketing stories and the big failures and you know i mean Mm -hmm. from Seven Ups, the Uncola was a big one, but Coke, Coke Classic, and then getting rid of it to the new Coke was a failure. I mean, there's just there's lots of examples like that that I find. I like history anyhow, and, and when things like that are truly did happen, and you see the mistakes and what happened and what yeah. you know, those are yeah. to me those were intriguing, and there were just people, and, and I enjoy that side of it. So I do like yeah. to talk and ask ask people who are successful and how it happened, and right. it, it tends to rub off, and you you can learn a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, again, thanks for the time on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by the folks at Rental. Max's Tires, too. Uh, <laughs> Coba Lakes, Motorsport.com, All Balls Racing. Uh, I really appreciate it. Brock, like I said, uh, admire the grind, man, because, you know, you don't have to. You could probably 
cruise a little bit, but you're out there. And uh, I think that says something for your character and, and you know, for your perseverance. Um, that I think something other racers can can learn from, you know. So, well, Thank you very much and a pleasure on being on the show. Thanks, thanks, Brock. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Brock Lover for that on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Also on to uh, a Talon Volan next. Again, thanks to uh, Fly Racing, Renthal Maxis. Also, Koba Links, uh, lowering suspension links from everything from Aprilia to Yamaha. And if you are shorter of stature, if your wife or girlfriend got a bike, they want them to feel more confident. Well, Koba Links will make you a lowering suspension link for that motorcycle. And if you use the code PULPAMEX, you can save. Uh, PULPAMEX gets you free shipping and a discount. So thanks to the guys at Koba Links uh, for all of that. Look into it, if you uh, if you will. And they've been in business for a long time and doing good work over there. They can get the Cobalt links from Motorsport. Motorsport.com. Uh, go through the banner on Pulpamex or Pulpamexshow.com. We really appreciate it. That'd be great. Uh, thank you to the folks at Motorsport, OEM and Aftermarket Parts. We've got a dedicated team of gearheads there to help you out. And if you have any issues or any problems with Motorsport, use the contact form at Pulpamex.com. I'll get it handled. I promise. Uh, they've got everything in stock. They get it right away. They get it fast. Free shipping on over 79 bucks. Great prices. If you shop with another online retailer, I urge you to try Motorsport and uh, tell them Pulp sent you, man. Uh, they'll really, really give you a good deal on everything. So thanks to Motorsport uh, for coming on board. Cobalt Links, of course, Renthal, Maxis, All Balls Racing. All right, on to Talent Voland. All right, next up on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast to talk about life after racing is a uh, former uh, motocross, supercross uh, rider slash GP, very successful uh, career on the track. And I would say off the track as well. It is Talent Volan. What's up, man? How are you? Steve, good talking to you. I appreciate the call. Yeah, looking, I was looking forward to being on this podcast, man. Let's do this thing. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the uh, thanks for the uh, time. Obviously, uh, your son Max Volan now racing uh, Factory Red Bull KTM. You're back in the pits. You're at the races a lot, guiding his career and all of that. Uh, and, and and then you had your own successful career and merged into uh, working for a chair beast. And I feel like so. Like when it comes to this industry, whether it's growing up as a a, a touted amateur racer and a, a great career on the track, then in the industry, and now as a parent of an up and coming star, like, geez, Lone Wolf, you've covered everything, uh, every angle of this sport. <laughs> yeah, you know when you're doing it, it, it it is a pretty tough sport, you know, because injuries do come along with it, and. When I was that age and doing it, I'm like, oh, man, I won't have my kids do this too tough and that. But it's kind of funny how life goes. You get a little bit older and you, you start like, yeah, this is what I know. There's so many things that I can give that I didn't have. And so, you know, and then if you, you got a son or somebody kind of likes it, they have fun. Okay, it just kind of falls back into line and that's why it starts happening again. I actually see a lot of riders now with Deegan and, mm-hmm. you know, wait, the, the way's coming up and it's yeah. pretty cool to see yeah. to see the families, you know, to see the families doing that stuff. I know. I saw a photo from Loretta's. It was Nick Deegan and Tim Ferry on the side of the track, and I'm like, Jesus, I'm getting old because I, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I wrenched for two of them, and you know, I watched all of their careers start to finish, right? And I was like, Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of racers struggle with what to do next and how it goes. And you came to mind um, because of your successful run with the Cherubies. Now, obviously. You know, you've, talk, you've talked about this before. You know, Franco Acherbys, the owner uh, of iconic company Acherbys Plastic, uh, you met yep. him while you were over in Europe racing. But, yep. but big deal, that doesn't mean he's going to hire you and you're going to do a good job. Like, you still have to um, kind of have everything together and impress somebody like Franco that he, want, that he entrusts his brand with you. So take us back to that and sort of like your GP career is ending. 
How does it come together for you with Franco and 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 coming back to America to work for a Cherubis? So I, you know, I started writing for them when they they actually started doing Gear '97, and then again in 2000 when I when I went back to to Europe, and I, I got to that point in I think it was 2002 um, where I picked up an injury, and you start just getting those thoughts. I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, and and then there's that moment when you you think that thought that. I think I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I always said that if I felt that way, which means the way of, hey, I, I remember the moment for me because it was Ben Townley. He was young. He was leading a championship. I think I was 13 pick on the gate. So I'm pretty far down the line. He comes across looking, you know, with the glasses and looking like the champ. And, and, and I remember when I was battling for championships, I remember feeling that way and thinking, man, I, I remember telling myself if I ever, if I ever felt this way, I would stop. And it was, it was that moment I'm like, I'm done. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, yeah, you know, I just, I didn't feel that anymore. I didn't feel like that guy. When I saw him, like, I don't feel like that. So you're risking a lot out there and you want to make sure you can give all the effort and put yourself in the best, you know, position, or, or let's say limit risk. And I just wasn't there anymore. So mm-hmm. anyways, long story short, I made that decision and I'm, I'm thinking, well, what can I do? Well, I know Italy has, or sorry, Atribi's has an office here in San Diego. So I, I flew down, met with, um, with um franco and and just proposed the idea mm-hmm. i kind of put myself at a lower level because i was the racing managers i could negotiate deals so that's how i started they agreed i started in san diego and um would just you know help hire riders and 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 and, and even help the amateur kids for the chirpy side of things so that's how i got started which was kind of you know it's a little bit tough when you start out like that after what you feel like you're a star or yeah or been racing at the <clears throat> highest level but it didn't take long and it kind of settled down and settled in with me. And you know, I, I did that for some years. We transferred over to the Scott company. So we were working both Scott. I was doing Scott and a Trubies athletes for quite a while. And then, you know, I'm just kind of moving fast. But in uh, 2009, recession hit. Some things started to change for me. I wanted to come back directly to a Trubies. And again, sometimes you got to take your own money. I took my own money, flew back over to Italy, talked to Franco proposed you know i did a lot of research how i felt i could help him in shops uh-huh. help him in sales and you know they, they gave me the opportunity and i started working for them just just going into 2010 in sales and that's that's where i've been until today so that's so, that's really how it all kind of come, come together i don't know what year you quit riding did you take any time off after after racing or did you jump into this thing no i i, ha- I had Sorry, I hadn't actually finished my career over there. I was still in my contract, still racing. Okay. I knew it was, I knew at that point it was my last year. I think I had about six rounds left. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I went down to have that meeting. So when I was done at the end of the year, I could immediately come back and jump into um, helping them here in the U.S. Wow. And so so yeah. I, I got to think, like, you know, you made pretty good money in your career. You probably could have taken a year or so to, you know, figure out what you wanted to do. And that had to have been a, a a jump for you to go and and Jason Thomas did the same thing, but you know, he doesn't have your career on the track, so he sort of right. needed to work. Uh, so I get what he was doing; like he was wrapping up his career and, and then started right away at WPS. Right, you right. more successful. So that must have been like, hey, after the last GP, your to to work that must have been quite an adjustment. Yeah, I, you know, the thing is, is I mean, unless you're really, really. <laughs> McGrath or one of these guys make millions you might have let's say a half a million in the bank or even yeah. a little more could be but you know I mean you you get used to living a certain way it, it's tough so I, yeah, I yeah. knew that already I want to try to protect the capital that I made all those years mm-hmm. so you know hopefully with a job you can live off of that and let your money work for you and that was the goal and that's what we were yeah. that's what I was and also if you're not working 
then you're spending, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's really true. So um, I, I prefer to work and I, I will say maybe this can, can help because I, I mean, honestly, I didn't even know what I, I never opened a laptop. So when Franco gave me the opportunity, I went to my friends in Holland. I was still in Europe at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, well, how does this, how does a computer work? And I'm opening this thing. And I'm no like, no way. So the, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear to God, yeah. like they're telling me like, no, there's these things that are like file folders. Mm-hmm. So you got to think about like a folder and then you put this in there and, I had no, no idea. Like literally that's where yeah, I started. Yeah. And, um, but the one thing that I feel an athlete or a racer has is, is if you're a top athlete, you're going to have probably a lot of discipline and work ethic. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you wouldn't be as successful as you are. That's the only tools that I had. I didn't have knowledge. So in, even now to tell you <laughs> the truth, I, and people will tell you who I work with. I'm up at three. I'm up. At I know. Four every day. I know. I've heard this about you. You're gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super gnarly because I have to work twice as hard, right. you know, to, 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 to write this dang email. I got to read it 10,000 times to make sure it's right. So yeah. that's, but, but, but I, what I'm, what I'm getting at is if you do bring that same work ethic mm-hmm. and discipline, you can be successful, even though if you're not, because to be honest, most writers aren't educated. You start racing right. at five and dad, and you probably didn't finish high school. So it is challenging, but you just got to work hard. If you work hard, you can still make it happen. Right. That's, that's what I would say. Don't, I don't want to say don't forget that, but yeah. don't forget that those things, the work ethic and discipline, you just, you got to, you got to attack your work just like you attack racing. So those skills you learned in racing to be self-motivated, to get up early, to, go for those runs. You've got to do the same thing. I feel like now my computer is like my bike. Mm-hmm. My, e- my emails is like my bike. So yeah. that's what I do every single day. Interesting. So, and, and as you mentioned this too, I got to think, so you, you stop racing immediately. You go to San Diego to do rider support, right? Yes. Um, yes. And, and that's got to, and again, I think this is another thing that racers struggle with. It's got to be a blow to your ego to be like, you know, you're like, Hey, yeah. uh, you know, I'll talk Abs- to you. Yeah. You're just like, look, man, I got everything given to me. I got paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to race. Um, you know, everybody wanted my autograph. And now I got this mini parent, you know, bugging me for support for, for goggles and plastics or whatever. And I don't, you know, yeah. Big blow to the ego a little bit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was, it was tough. I mean, there was even a moment, um, I didn't have to do this all the time, but our truck driver was gone. So I had, I mean, this is like the next year I'm going from like, you know, well, it was the year before I was on Mitch's. And then my yep. next year, my last year was going over to ride for um, a team that had a decent amount of money. But, of course, they, what happens in your career is you, you get on good teams and you start to fade away a little bit. But but some smaller teams will still pay you a decent amount of money because they want to get the opportunity to try to get up there. And so that's, you know, that's what I came from. And anyways, I'm driving this truck into the pit, the Supercross pit area to set, you know, to set up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And two years ago, I'm the guy out in the stadium. Yeah. So it did it yeah. did suck. It did suck and it was tough. And I'm not saying it's not going to be tough right. because it will be initially, but you just got to bide your time. And again, over time, you know, now with my team, okay, we run it together, but I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I pretty much run a tribute just like racing. I mean, I get to now make decisions that sometimes we win or lose. And if we lose, okay, it's going to be bad for me, but if we win, it's, it's great for everybody. And it also gives you that self-satisfaction like you have as an athlete. Yeah. Huh. So Interesting. Yeah. Did you, did you ever call Franco at any point or anybody and be like, I don't know if I can do this? Or did, did you go to I anybody for advice? Yeah? yeah. I was really close. Yeah, I was really close. I won't say that I wasn't. There was a moment, I'd say six months in, yep. that I'm just like, and it was really just ego. But yep. I just, you know, I just, it was tough. It was really tough. But I made it through that. And every year after that, it got better. And yeah. I got better with my work. And, you know, until you're, 
you're fully functioning. And also as time slips, people don't see you as the racer anymore. And that helps. So you're just a worker. And then if you can be successful, so yeah, it's not, okay. It's not easy, but it's also not easy to do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is the only way. What, is there a guy, a racer or an industry person? I mean, maybe Franco, uh, as far as an industry person, is there an industry person or an ex rider that you sort of admire of what they've done off the track? Like, is there people that you're like, yeah, like this guy is, uh, you know, got it all together. He's professional. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. is there somebody like that for you? I think that that's an easy one is Brock Glover. I mean, yeah, he yeah. was ahead of me, right? right so this right. guy, I mean, this guy's, I mean, he actually was 10 times better than me and he's out there working. So sometimes I would actually look to him and be like, it's okay. You know, with the ego thing, it's okay. Yeah. Look. Yeah. You know, so yep. that's, that's it. And, you know, hopefully I could be that for maybe some other guys. You know, I, I hate that these guys get bummed and they just don't do anything. This, this industry needs people. I would say that the most simplest thing, if you can learn to work a spreadsheet and word, but particularly a spreadsheet, you focus in on that and learn how to use a computer. Mm -hmm. You can work for a distributor. You can work for, there's many, many, many companies in our industry. So you can find a way. You know, you've used the word work like 20 times in this interview, and there's a number of ex-racers that I know that I'm friends with that, that can't seem to find something out, and they can't seem to find where, they, where to go next, and, you know, they weren't a lucky 2% that never have to work again. And, right. and I got to say, though, like when I deal with some of these guys on texts or emails, like, look, a Cherubis is on the Pulp Show, right, we're, we're, and I've worked with you before, and yep. and you reply to emails, and you give answers, and you... You know, like all the things that, you know, it takes work, right? Just what you, all the things you mentioned. And I deal with some guys and I just can't believe that they do this job. You know, they have an important job and they can't get back to you. They, they can't write, compose an email. I think the hard work thing that you just mentioned over and over is where guys struggle with X, X riders. Right. I think they struggle with that. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe I uh, to me, I, I, I always look at it as like, I, I'm so competitive. I try to put everything and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, in the light yeah, of yeah. racing. So I'm, I, and, and I want to, I don't know. That's just the way I've, I've run a tribute. I've run myself is, is, is I, okay, I leave the racing behind and then mm -hmm. everything that I do for tributes, I, I, I put it in a, say in a competitive mindset. Yeah. And so that's yeah. the way you need to be. Right. Right. You know, um, you're going to have to go down a little bit, but, but you know, it's, it's way better than what a lot of these guys end up alternatively, which is sometimes, you know, on the wrong path to say, you know, drinking or, or taking some pills or something like that. This is just not the way you have so many tools to offer. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have some doors that open for you automatically over some other people, in, you know, that just want to get a job, right? You, you, you sure. can get in and, and you can get your foot in, you can get the door open for an interview yeah. or for something just because of who you are as a racer. And that's absolutely, that's a great thing. What do you yeah. see with racers who are struggling or racers who can't seem to find what's next what do you think is, is some of the issue that you see? You mentioned pills and, and booze, and, and that's all, you know, a big part yeah, of society yeah. and all. But is there something yeah. else that you see that, that is an issue? Um, I, I really, I mean, I've talked to a couple key people like Langston and mm -hmm. even Pingree just because they're in the industry. Yep. And, and, and even myself, I, I would like in the future, you just get so busy, but I have these goals that like me and a couple guys have been successful get together and, and set up something. I feel like the kids just need something. They don't know. If you don't know, you don't know. You, you just don't know. I right. will say that. Yep. If somebody, we had a little school or something to set up these kids that come out, it's not that hard to open a computer and start learning a spreadsheet. It's pretty dang simple. And man, if you could just get those skills down, I guarantee you can go out and work for 
Scott or Oakley or yeah. I don't know, OGO or all these companies that are out there. You can start there and then you can work your way up till, hey, maybe you're running the company. I mean, I run a Chirby's USA pretty much. Okay, I have a great team that we all work together, but yep. you know, yeah. I can be competitive, I can make decisions and 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 it's for me it's just like racing now. So when you go back to 2010 and you become sort of a Cherby's USA, right? You go back to Cherby's and you're yep. now you're dealing with distributors and uh, and product and, and all that. And you go meet the Jeff Foxes of the world or Craig Shoemaker or these type of guys for sales meetings or whoever, the buyers, you know, say the buyers of these companies. Were you intimidated at first? Because, I mean, you're Talon Volan, like you've done so much on the track, right? And you've experienced so much in your in your life. But when it comes to you know, negotiating with somebody or doing a deal with somebody or trying to convince someone to take your product on as a distributor. Um, that's not, you know, your specialty, but so at times were you like intimidated or, or would you, would you have to like sort of like write notes on your hand or something to prepare, you know, things like that? Yeah. Well, in the beginning, um, you got to kind of, you, you always got to kind of build a, a little team around you, right? You mm -hmm. That's something that, and so I, I had my guys like Brian and that, and I could rely sometimes on them or even over in Italy. So it was tough, man. I, I mean, I did come in right at the end of the recession. And sometimes, you know, again, it's just, it's just like racing. You, you got to make this deal happen. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. you go, you go in there, you know, with Dan, but I will say too, people in the industry are, are, are pretty dang cool and everybody works together. And, you know, sometimes I'll give you some crap, but they'll usually end up helping you out. And, you know, we, so we, we, it, it was scary. I learned a lot, but mm -hmm. that's, that's the way it is. It's just like motorcycles. You're going to make, mis you know, racing, you're going to make mistakes, but that's how you get better. Yeah. Interesting. So you, you, you don't know, you go in, you pitch it, you, you rely on some of your people to help you before you went into these meetings and you just, yeah. you know, you do it. You just try to do it. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just like anything. You just got to get in there and freaking do it. So do you see yourself like, okay, without, you know, with, with getting as, getting as deep as you want to, or as little as you want to, you know, Max is out there racing and, and he's earning a living and you're, you're going, you're, you're, you're juggling that with your Cherby's USA job, which isn't easy. I'm sure. Right. Do you, do you see yourself like retiring early and using a nest egg of like racing salary, racing, racing money that you built up? Or do you see yourself working a long time or like, where do you, where do you see yourself in, in, you know, I don't know, 10 years or 15 no, years. I, for me, I like to work. Yep. And so, you know, Max is just getting to a point now where, um, you know, probably dad, I don't want to say I'm not going to be around because of course I want to go to the races and I will, but he doesn't, he's not going to need, he doesn't need me. He was just in that transition point right now where, you know, little by little, like I went, I went home last weekend and, and he stayed and he's actually now staying more in Florida, Alden. Mm -hmm. So step by step, um, that's, that's what's going on there. And I, and I will have more time, but I'm getting at my age. I just turned 50. Um, I want to sell, I got a big house and that, but now the kids are gone. So I don't even need it. I want to sell that. And, and my goal is just to get like a little place where I have a nice office because I love working mm -hmm. and I would, I, I want to continue to work until I, I can't because oh, okay. it's just, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I still have the competitive nature. Okay. I don't have a million dollars in the bank so I can sit there and interest. But even if I did, I would probably then start running my own company or, do, or just do different things, you know, yeah. related to business because it's, it's just what I know. It's what I do, what I do now. It's right. like my life. So, and I like it because it's competitive. It's really, you're, you're also very fortunate talent that you've partnered with a company like a Cherubis that is, I mean, everybody's used the Cherubis who's probably listening to this. It fits good. Yeah. It's great plastic. It, it's, you know what I mean? Like whatever a Cherubis puts out and they've been in business yeah. forever, it kind of makes it easy for you to go out and sell it and, and talk about it because, yeah, you know, yeah, the, the stuff's right. good. Like it's, you know, yeah. so. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, Franco, you know, he started in 73 and mm -hmm. he built such a premium brand before I even came in. 
So to me, it's just been kind of managing it and pushing the brand, pushing the brand, pushing the brand. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you know, obviously keeping, keeping the products good, like we have, and we're at an all time high. So we, we've had record sales the last three years and we're the leader and we yeah. just continue to do that. So that's, that's what we're doing. And now we're expanding into mountain bikes with the hand guards and some, some fenders and some different things, just trying to, to keep expanding. That's it. Do you have, obviously with your background as a, as a racer and now forever, you know, for 20 years now in, in, uh, in America, do you have yep. much say in new products or products you want or colors or anything like that? Do they lean on you at all for USA thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So actually to, today I just called and had a meeting this morning. We want to um, make another wraparound handguard that would be in between the two that we currently sell. Mm-hmm. Um, we always coming out with new colors. We had a TLD kit was super successful a few years back. I'm involved with um, sponsoring the, you know, all our elite teams from the, the factory KTM guys to our factory Kawasaki team. And we are coming out. And that was one reason we wanted to get involved with Pulp. You have such a reach, uh, not only with just regular people, but even even the buyers, you know, love yeah. listening to, to the Pulp show. So um, we are coming out with these new uh, metallic kits coming out here pretty quick, and it's going to be pretty exciting and just some, something new that people haven't yeah. seen yet. So it's nice for you, I guess. Like, um, you know, I've talked to a couple of people who, who left jobs, and they were like, look, man, I was just simply like kind of a figurehead. I had no real say in what was going on. The decisions were made around me. Decisions yeah. were made back in the factory, all of this stuff. And, you know, they've moved on a little bit. That doesn't sound like you. It sounds like you're pretty, your word, your, your stuff is pretty valued over in Italy. Your thoughts. Yeah, it, yeah. Took, it took some time, right? So it's, right, it's just right. like anything. They kind of, it's almost like they give you a little pitch and you hit the ball, right? So you <laughs> yeah, got to try to be successful on each, right. each thing that you do. But once yeah. you get more and more confidence, pretty soon they start really trusting. And that's, that's where we've been now. I've, I've been doing this well over 20 years, but yeah. 10 years in sales. So yeah. um, now we're in a good position. And so now we can make some calls and, and make our own, own shots. When you're racing, you mentioned transitioning into, you know, with Franco and the Cherubies and all that and with Scott early on. And is that when you were racing, did you picture yourself in the industry? Did you have a dream of, you know, everybody has a dream of making a million dollars like Carmichael or, or $30 million like Carmichael and right, never working right. again. But, but at some point, did you right. think to yourself, like, say, like, I want to say like, mid nineties Talon Volan, right? Like challenging for world titles and all of that. Yeah. Did you think, yeah, I'm going to work in the industry. Like, were you thinking that way? No, no, no. I actually no. didn't. I, uh, I really didn't think about it until, you know, that thought hit me that, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, right. I, I, it's getting too risky for me the way yeah. that I feel. Right. And, and then I remember just opening magazines and looking at all the products and the ads. And I'm thinking, how the hell am I going to sell this? How, how am I going to do this? Like, I'm just trying to get information, but I didn't know what to do. So literally you're just starting from nowhere. Yeah, I don't know how to yeah. open a file or anything, but <laughs> you just got to put your head down and, and take each day as it comes. And it's just like any job. And sometimes you got to bluff your way a little bit on this and that. Okay. You made a mistake. And okay, that's, that's how you learn. Yeah. So that was it. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> that really was it. Um, you know, I, I, I do this pulp show every Monday night, as you know, and I'm talking to these kids and, like, I don't know, you know, once in a while I'll bring up about, I worked for Tim Ferry and I was his mechanic for a long yep. time. And, and like yep. a lot of times talent, these kids would just be like, yeah, I don't really remember Tim Ferry. And I'm just like, fuck my life. Like, I'm just, you know, uh, like, so I, you, you, you know, you brought, you talked about that blow to your ego when you started and you had a terrific career. 95% of motocross racers would trade their careers for yours. Right. Um, Maybe maybe 90%. I don't know. Whatever number you want to put on it. You had a tra- yeah, fantastic yeah. career. But at this point, like you said, People aren't like thinking Talon Volan, the badass motocross racer anymore, right? 
that happens about four or five years after you're done. I, I went to Loretta's, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm working at Loretta's for uh, Scott at that time. So right. Scott and the And this kid comes up to me, I don't know, he was probably like 10 or something. And he's like, so what are you doing? Bill Goggins like, no, I'm Talon Volan. And there's like no reaction on his face, right? You're like, he's <laughs> yeah. like well, what, what does that mean? Like, who are you? And I'm right. like, well, oh my God, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, it, you know, you have about a five year span. And after that, Dude. the next generation don't know who the hell you are. Yeah, it's tough, right? <laughs> like, again, I'm talking about the blow to the ego. You're signing autographs. You're getting all these deals. You're on top of the podium. And five years after <laughs> you stop, it's just like, who yeah. are you? Right? Like, yeah. And I think it's a bummer. It's the way it goes, though. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why guys struggle too a little bit. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Johnny Motocross Racer. Don't you remember me? And it's like, yeah, no, yeah. you, you know, you, now you're just yeah. a regular guy now, right? Yeah. It even gets worse. Now I'm Max's dad. Yeah, good point, right? <laughs> who's, who's this dad? What does he know? What is this, yeah, what is yeah. this dad? Nobody know? even knows me. They, oh, that's Max's dad. Right, that's how right. I hear all the time in a piss now. Oh, my God. But I will say, you <laughs> you know, I, I, from what I know, I don't know you that well, but I know people who know you well, and uh, you seem like, as far as, uh, you know, s- amateur or not, uh, as far as young stars, Dads, you get it, man. You understand this game. You're not in there yelling and screaming. You're not telling Roger to change the fork height. None of that, you know? No, yeah, I, you, I think you know. th- those, those are, I mean, hopefully those are the advantages that guys like, you know, Ferry, myself, and, and Way, you can bring, right? There's yeah. no, there's really no use to get screaming mad. I, I mean, one of the things I feel like I can do for Max, and he had one of his worst races ever last week, is I pretty much, no matter what, how bad he has it, I've been through everything, so I even have a worse story to share with him yeah. to try to get him to, yeah. you know, to feel right. a little bit better. Right. Because right. anybody that's, that's very successful has probably been through the through through some bad stuff. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, the way to success is through pretty much through failure. So that's just the way it happens. And so, you know, when it, when you do have it, it's it's yeah. just you know you got to embrace it, keep it close to you, and use it for energy and effort to to try to become better. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, to wrap this up here, Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. Renthal, Maxis, All Balls, Motorsport, and Cobalinks. Uh, to wrap this up, Talon, I mean, again, when I just listen to you talk about your transition, work, 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 work. I mean, that, yeah. you know, like that's the advice you'd offer. Yeah, that's that's the only way when when you're yeah. probably lacking some skills, yep. you can still do it through, you know, hard work and discipline. That's it. All right. Well, congratulations, man, on the success with Max. Obviously, raising a uh, a, a star like that is is not easy as well and then balancing everything else. And then again, a Cherubies USA, uh you're a huge huge part of that and and you know the, the brand is killing it and crushing it and Yep. It's it's good to see a guy like yourself, uh, uh, you know, just a, a guy transition into something and be some be you know really influential in the, in the industry. So, um, cool. th- thanks cool. for the words, man. I appreciate it, Talon. We'll uh, we'll see you at the races, right? Got it. Yep. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate the opportunity, and we'll we'll see you there. We'll thanks. see you there. I think you have some live shows coming up, so I do. We'll catch you there. Huh? All right. Cool. Thanks, Talon. Awesome. Take care. See you. See you. Thanks to Brock Lover and Talon Volan for the Fly Racing Racer X podcast about life after racing. Uh, again, thank you to our sponsors, uh, Fly Racing, flyracing.com, motorsport.com, Coba Links, Renthal, Maxis, All Balls Racing, all on board with this show. Next up, Lucas Myrtle talking about Jet Lawrence, managing him, being his agent, the uh, uh, the World Supercross rounds, and maybe uh, he touches on a little bit of too much Jet, which has been out there a little bit as a criticism. So let's uh, let's get into Lucas Myrtle here on the Fly Racing Race Rex podcast.
All right, next up here on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast is uh, a good friend of mine. He's a, a, one of the more powerful agents in the sport, repping a lot of riders out there. And I wanted to touch base with uh, Lucas Myrtle and uh, talk to him about what's going on and congratulate him on the title from the Jet and more. What's up, Mertz? How are you? Good, Steve. How are you, Mike? I'm good. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Congrats. Uh, yeah, the Jet, that is two professional titles in his three years over here. And the, uh, the sky's the limit for this kid, I think. No, thanks. No, no, it really is. Um, <clears throat> solid Supercross season, pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing is the maturity is what what you're seeing out of out of Jet and just the just the growth. I think yeah. it's it's all it's all trending in the right direction, but like it's not by accident. Um, I think it's uh, you know between Johnny O'Mara, HRC, uh, mm-hmm. Darren, and Emma, like. The people around him is 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 really solid. There's yeah. no weak link. There's no weak link. It's it's all pretty solid. So, you know, they're never a guarantee those titles uh, for any of the guys. But this one, this one that it worked out kind of pretty much from the first race. You can take Arlington around uh, Arlington around that last mm-hmm. race off off. It was the one blemish, but you know, yeah. Um, how much, so you rep a lot of guys and, and you work with a lot of yes. guys, including Philip, by the way, how's Phil, all of Phil's deals? How, how are we doing? Um, yeah, no, we, we feel great. We had a good supercross season. Yeah. Um, yep. it's cut short, um, by an eight foot double in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, um, no, I yeah. spoke, I spoke to him yesterday. He, he's doing a, he's doing a ride. Yeah, so it looks like he'll be back around Red Bad Melville. Time. Yeah. Yeah. We hope you so know. anyways. Uh, but honestly, you, yeah. I mean. You know, with Philip, he's not paying your what he tells me exorbitant fees. So I know your deal with Phil is a little different. So um, you know, he's not happy. He, he about, honestly, yeah. he honestly thinks he pays for my whole life. Yeah, I know, right? So, he, he pay, um, you're like, hey, Phil, your deals aren't enough for me to even get groceries this week. <laughs> no, yeah, that is, and it's like, yeah, it's like that misconception, like, right? You've got to have. You've got to represent. I think to 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 be efficient at what you do, you've got to represent. You know, you can't yeah. just go, "Hey, I'm only going to represent the Jet Lawrence's, the factory, you know, high end guys," mm-hmm. because like they all started somewhere too. Like mm-hmm. you know, so um, I, I have a lot of fun with Phil. Um, I've been with him a long time now. Yeah, we've worked and. I doubt you can call work together. We fight and argue, and I get abused, <laughs> and then he hangs up the phone on me. <laughs> then I'll just send him something, and he'll be like, "Cheers, yeah, uh, expletive." Yeah. Right? Um, no, I, I love him. He's, he's one of my one of my one of Do my best mates in the world. Should should, uh, should your deal with with JGR for Troll Train should that go in like the Agent Hall of Fame? Should we, should we put that, that in like the good. contract hall of fame? <laughs> um, that was a good one. What? Uh, that was a really good one for Al and yeah. JGR. Oh, I think uh, okay. every party was very happy with it. Okay. Um, All right. Um, yeah. uh, um, hey, let me ask you this. So you, you, uh, you, 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 how much like, Dude, there's Hunter Lawrence, there's Jet Lawrence, right? They're they're in Florida. They're at the 83 compound. They're, they're, they got energy drink deals. They got Honda things going on. How much of your day to day is sort of like talking to Johnny O, talking to Darren, the, the father, talking to Honda, arranging? Like, are you involved in um, 
pretty much everything they do, or is it more like, hey, the training and all that is Omera and Honda and testing is Omera and Honda, and you're just behind the scenes, called on when you're needed, or are you fundamentally involved with everything every day on some level? Yeah, not just the Lawrences. It's actually a good question. Like, uh, not just Lawrences, but all my athletes. Yeah, to a degree, I'm involved just on the actually actual giving a crap level of their training or their bike setup mm-hmm. or whatnot. Like, just someone to listen to talk to because I'm more probably than an agent than someone who sits behind the desk. You know, I'm a former mechanic and, you know, I rode and yeah. and whatnot, not at their level or anything. But, no, I, I can understand their day-to-day what an athlete goes to. But, no, not where, not to the degree where I'm, like, calling up um, uh, Shoah or Mitch and go, hey, I think we should run this triple clamp. Or, no, yeah. I, I don't even mean that. I just mean, like, do you know that, yeah. hey, Jed is testing no, no, today, yeah. you know, yeah, things I, like I that. Reach out at, yeah. I, yeah, I reach out, you know, most days, or if not every two days, to every one of my clients, their father or yep. or their mechanics or, or, or however, where's needed, not overbearing, but yep, no, yep, just yep. on that that interest level and make sure you know if there's stuff that needs to be addressed or or you know just just knowing what they're going through day to day, week to week. So if yep. they call me, nothing's like, oh my god, this is happening. I'm like, oh, I heard about that. <laughs> I, this is how you should probably read the yeah. situation. But yeah, no, everything. I speak to Johnny and but. But mainly, if, if in reference to the Lawrences, it's such a well-oiled machine between Dazzy and Johnny O'Mara, and their, and you know, and their relationship with Honda is 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 so solid that it's it's literally strictly business. Yeah. Um, their day-to-day, week-to-week is very automatic, and and you know, you know, precise is probably the word you you would you would go with is they just their approach is very calculated precise you know minimal minimal disruptions of of that so no it's not say a couple calls here and there just to see i'm more more yeah. just on the business side of things and then we, we'll talk about you know how the day was but yeah there's no there's no no chink in that armor yeah, yeah, that's nice to nice to see, right? It's it's everything's done professionally and well oiled, and there's not like tons of drama and everything else. So we had Carmichael on the show, Pulp Show 500, and you know we all talked about the jet, and yep. you know his future's great and everything else. Ricky was worried about distractions, and this yep. coming from a rider that lived you know in Tallahassee, Florida, didn't really let anybody in his camp, you know, didn't do a lot of stuff, um, did what he had to, obligated to, but not. You know, not out there. Uh, obviously, older than Jet. Jet's a kid still. But one of the things Ricky said was distractions. And you know, and and Jet, you know, he does stuff with the, the cat, and he's got merch drops, and he's got. I mean, there's. I'm not saying he's not doing the work because you don't get his results without doing the work. Uh, but how do you manage that? How do you worry about distractions for somebody who's you know one of the hottest riders in our sport in a number of years? Yeah. I... It's a valid point, and I understand with social media is probably, you, you know, you, we control the narrative on social media with athletes, right? Like, you, you can you can post, uh, you know, we, we, we kind of, sh- where, where probably Ricky could get that kind of image from, I absolutely refuse to market athletes how they've been marketed in the past, right? Where mm-hmm. we're like, Hey guys, there's fitters triathletes. There's the fitters soccer players. That got us nowhere. 
absolutely nowhere. So, uh, you know, social media and all that, like, I'm not going to, we're not going to post like, hey, guys, just done three 35-minute motos at a heart rate of this. Now I'm eating this. Our fans actually don't want to see that. And I've, I've kind of talked about this before, right? Um, where, you know, like our consumer, like we're selling $18 beers and nachos and, and, and all that. This is entertainment, right? Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. That's what I do. Uh, you know, that's what I would be doing if I paid, you know, 75 yeah. or bought a sweet ticket. Like I'm not going to be eating, a, a, you know, a protein bar and then walking around the stadium looking for a... a organic shake and that's yeah, yeah. that's honestly where our sport went like we thought that was the angle that we that was going to drive us into the mainstream by comparing how fit athletes were or what they were doing and there is there there is an element of interest to that but to to our general uh consumer and and fan i i don't necessarily think they have a hankering today to understand what you know Jet's heart rate that he woke up with or, or yeah, yeah. you know, their, their diet or what Hunt is doing, right? Like, it's okay moderation that you, you you show some of that BTS. Now, going back in the long-winded answer to your question, right, it's easy for what what we, we put out on social to say, oh, he's, he's doing this with Red Bull or he's distracted or he's, you know, yeah, yeah. all that. But but behind the scenes, there's, there's only a certain amount of hours in the day that we we can capture the stuff that we want to project as as a modern day athlete and especially a young athlete in uh, young athlete slash superstar however you want to take it how we want to project that to to the non-endemic and the endemic market and, and it's a conscious effort but you know distractions you know jet has fun uh hunter has fun joe shimoda has fun all these guys have fun Right, and they need that. I don't want guys retiring by by the time they're twenty five. I I, th- I think that's a fail, mm-hmm. honestly. I I, I I I've said it before. We don't need any miserable champions. I encourage them to have fun after their work's done. I encourage them to enjoy being eighteen years old, going to the races, nineteen, twenty one. Isn't forever, and, and and soak up every moment. But but as far as the distractions, to 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 achieve any sort of result in this sport requires a level of dedication, which is, I personally, I don't know if I would sign up for or encourage my son to do. Like, yeah. it, you know, they <laughs> yeah. miss out on a lot. They miss out on a lot. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, they, they, it's, it's gnarly what we ask them to do. And you can't, it. You can't half do work. It's not mean you are the the client or jet if it, if there was any sort of distraction because you don't win you won't win you'll you'll see you can see you can see in the results you can see the riding when stuff's not right yeah so, yeah absolutely no for sure so right? moving forward yeah. but yep. moving forward I, I just think the program's solid that you know jets exactly where he wants to be hunter all, all my guys are where they want to be and the distraction thing is is minimal at best. Right, right. How how many how many things come your way that you turn down? That you just like we don't we, um, we don't want to do that. We we're not into that. We we you know, maybe another yeah, time. No, yeah. Yeah, it's it's got to make sense. Like the number one priority uh and it's for me is that they win races, right? Yep. They do their job first, right? Everything else is just extra and and 
and a bonus. But first and foremost, right, like an, an athlete's got to perform at, when they're needed and what they're paid for and, and do that at the highest level. That's my priority. Athlete won't ever call me after finishing 12th and go, ah, oh, but I'm stoked on that social deal. I'm just stoked we've got yeah. to do this yeah. this week, <laughs> right? Like they're going to like our job on a Saturday or, you know, Saturday night, right? That, that dictates their happiness because, and that's what's priority one, right? Everything else has its place, but, but it's, 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 yeah, it's all organic, right? Like yeah. there's nothing forced. Uh, if it makes sense, it makes sense. If it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't get past one or two emails, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. No, for sure. I, I would, I would think yeah. that, yeah, that would comes a lot your way. There's no doubt. Um, yeah. Look, there's no doubt, Mertz, that NBC, uh, you know, the directors, Feld, they're pushing a lot of Jet Lawrence for a lot of the obvious reasons. I mean, um, they, yeah. uh, Jet is funny, he's popular, he's a good-looking kid, he's fast as shit. Like, all the reasons why you would want to put somebody on a pedestal in our sport and show the, the highlight. And also, some of our great riders right now have the personality of, like, a dish towel. So, like, there's... There's obvious reasons why Jed is getting out there so much, but there has been some social media backlash from industry and fans and everything else. And, you know, at times, Mertz, um, it is a bit weird. I, I was making Ralph fun of Ralph Shaheen two years ago because he's talking about Christian Craig winning and he says, teammate of the Lawrence's. Like, what, Ralph? Like, wh why would, what does that matter? Anyways, uh, but I think what people don't understand is it's not Darren Lawrence or Jed or Hunter or yourself calling NBC and demanding a feature or, or needing an interview or wanting like push to push it out. Like, yeah, all the obvious reasons why you'd want to do it. Uh, I don't, so I don't really get all the criticism. I get the criticisms. It does seem a bit much, but it's not you people. It's not, it's not, it's not the, the, the Lawrence's or, or Lucas Myrtle doing this. So, Hey, like, Back it down, everybody. We're trying to sell that. We're trying to sell a young, up and coming star. You know. No, for sure. And then it's going to go on waves. Like we kind of talk about things that, like, hey, the the distractions come in, and have you pushed back on some stuff, right? And that you know, to follow that that question, right? There's stuff we've pushed back on that media side of things in the earliest stages. You know, going where 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 they were trying to get Jet to this point, right? And they were like, they, they saw it, they, they identified it, and they were like, hey, we really want him to be a Supercross champ, and we're pushing it. And there was a couple of times where, like, hey, he hasn't won shit, or he hasn't done enough yet, like, you know, right? But it, but now where we are today, right? And and I think for I think for your listeners and and, and the people that you know, you just might not like Jet, or you know, and we're talking about Jet on. For, for example, you might not like Jet. You're a Faulkner fan, or you don't like Australians, or whatever, whatever it could be. Right? I get it. We're never going. We're never going to make you happy. And if you, you're, you're those kind of people are going to write a comment negative against Jet, regardless. And I'm just stoked they're actually talking about him or following the sport. We love you, right? But the people who go kind of going, hey, there's just an awful lot of Jet, right? Why is that? Yeah, you've got to understand just the business 
of broadcasting. You've got to understand the business of sports and where it is right now in relation to TV, TV packages and TV deals, right? Uh, we li- we're living in a, in, in a total different era where, where now, you know, the youth, you know, the 16 to 24-year-old demographic. So, you know, like we, we look at that youth demographic 16 to, 16 to 24, they're no longer buying direct TV. They're no longer, um, you know, yeah. buying subscription-based traditional uh, TV. They're yeah. not consuming it the same way we did, right? So the, these, these networks and where we're currently broadcast, their priority right now, coming from the top, and it's not just for, for Supercross and Motocross, it's to bring that youth market back to them. Mm-hmm. Trust me, the NFL, the NFL is hoping that a, a draft pick becomes MVP, you know, of, of best player of the year, because it's going to bring in that youth audience. We're in an amazing situation with Jet, and, and it will be the next kid where they're going to bring in a whole new viewership, right? This is where advertising dollars, companies are having a tough time selling to the 16- and 24-year-old demographic. They don't know how. The traditional companies don't know how to talk to them. Right now, Supercross and NBC Sports have an 18-year-old superstar who's now a two-time champion, but before the age of 18, you know, 19, they're going to they're going to they're going to pivot on that. They're going to they're going to sell that. They're going to they're going to educate the public on that. And it's not just the public; it's the advertisers. It's opening opening our sport up to a whole new new group of eyes. Right? You know, he's fun. He's got he's got attitude, and he's damn good at it. I mean, it's a shot of an adrenaline in the arm of our sport. You know, to be honest, on the broadcasting broadcasting. Um, yeah, the end of things. Numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it really is. So I get that people are like, oh, it's too much jet. But that that's that's how that's how generic you that that's how endemic user. We already we have already got you. We're already sold to you. We already we're attracting the next guy. We're attract, attracting the next generation of kids who are going to say, hey, I'm going to go to Red Bud. Hey, I'm going to go to Anaheim. Looks like a really awesome time, right? And, and enjoy the sport. Consume the sport. That's the, that's the way to grow. Yeah. Now, everyone's going to say, hey, but, hey oh, what are you going to do? Like all these non-endemic sponsors are going to come in. No, we're just trying to grow by 1% or 2%. Three, four, five. It's not like this quantum shift that everyone's going to kind of wants to knock it down on. It's just the one or two make it better, attract one person, maybe two, right? And that's where Fell NBC are going to go pivot off their champion, you know. ESPN, Tom Brady, Connor McDavid, they're going to pivot off the guys that move the needle, and and. And if you like it or not, Jet Lawrence moves the needle for the broadcast. They'll tell you that firsthand. Yep. Um, uh, so do you, also, though, you know what I said earlier? Like, if we had a great, if we had a great 450 guy, you know, maybe Jet wouldn't get it. But our current group doesn't really want to put themselves out there and and kind of be that personable they, they try there's some guys that are good at it but you know i think there's it's a case of like we don't have a super dude good 450 guy you know to 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 be as personable and as funny as jet and all that 
Yeah, like like I said, you know, it, I can't manufacture another jet. I can't. You, you can't do it. I want each person to be their own person. If not, it's not non-organic. It's cheesy. It's it's it wouldn't hit. So it's not. It's just a more of a unicorn situation that that jet fits that mold right now, and it, there could be a new guy around the corner. Yeah. Like I yep. think Jason Anderson's amazing. I think they're all really, really, you know, in their own unique way, yep. really good. But right now, it's like they're pivoting towards that, and you have to understand why it is and how come it is, right? Yeah. And, and the other fact is, if you're a rider or if you're annoyed, look it embrace it if you beat him you're going to be even 10 times more popular you beat him now you have a platform that i'm the guy that beats jet or i'm competing with him Mm -hmm. like i thought it was awesome for cameron mcadoo this year you know when him and jet were battling right i i thought it was awesome step for his career that he was you know in the public's eye or nbc was doing a feature on jet and then cameron mcadoo comes out and beats beats jet at dallas that Mm -hmm. made it 10 times more important you know for cameron's career and, and for his worth beating being the guy that's running with jet right rather than the traditional years if you you beat the guy with the red plate holder didn't really resonate yeah. So I think there's I think there's benefits for all involved, you know, mm-hmm. on that. Does it does it disappoint you to see some industry people and media stuff like that talk about a little bit too much jet? No, I, and Kiefer's one of um, them, you know. I, my buddy Kiefer's one of them. Yeah, but yeah. you know, like he he can have his own own opinion, but like I think it's a very broad it's weird, like we yeah. we eat our young a little bit in the industry sometimes, right? Yeah, like yeah. like yeah, he he can quiz me on it, but I think it's a very I watch the race on a Saturday and I give an opinion. It's very it's borderline, you know, endemic seat of the pants of yeah. based opinion. Yeah, I'm not that into right, and yep. I, I I like more context around an opinion, to be honest. So. Kiefer, why does he get more? We just explained why yeah. he gets more. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a positive, right? And if, if someone wanted to say, well, here's the negative on it, give me some facts, give me some numbers. Mm-hmm. And I, I encourage that, right? I'll be the first to admit I'm wrong. But uh, but on this, I don't believe I am. Yeah. So, like the Kiefers or whomever, and trust me, all these guys will, trust me, everyone uses Jed as a thumbnail or, uh, you know, you, you write a comment about Jet, it's going to spark a debate and it's going to get you 10 more, 10, 10 times more the interactions than speaking about the other riders or a 450 rider yeah. who's winning or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like half the time I don't even take it serious because you're just, <laughs> they're just sparking a debate for the point of sparking a debate with zero context, the d- dividing people in the, in the middle. I mean, CNN and Fox News do it every day. Yeah. So I see a lot, I see a lot of that and I just kind of cringe at it and don't really respect it. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. If you're going to have an opinion, if you're going to have an opinion about the races, I mean, you've talked about this, be at the races. Right. Right. If you're going to, if you're going to say who was riding good all day, um, regardless of their end result, be there during qualifying. Right. right, right. I I think you have to be there, and, and I feel the exact same way when it comes to, you know, these kind of issues. If you're saying it's overexposure or or it's getting jammed down our throat, well, it's not us. Yeah, it's, no, it's, I think that's that's the point. It's like, the people that have a whole lot more 
damn money in, invested in this sport than the person who watches it on Saturday yeah. making the decision to grow the sport. Trust me, they know what they're doing. Do they make mis- mistakes? Yeah. But the people that fell, the NBCs, they've got more money than anyone invested in this to succeed. Yep. So the decisions they're making is to grow it. Jet's the benefactor of it right now. The next kid could be the benefactor. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, the Cameron McAdoo. I, I thought it was awesome for Cameron because that I, I as a fan was like, dude, I'm stoked. I've known Cameron a long time. And I thought him battling Jet raised his stock and and showed his his ceiling. And I look at I look at him as a future factory four fifty rider that, that he'll always be remembered riding battling Jet and, and and he beat Jet and he passed Jet. Like Right, and and that was will go a long way for him, and, and and he'll benefit off it. And if we look at it like that, you're like, nah, bring on more, you know? Yeah, Who's yeah. going to be the guy this outdoors, right? Who's going to beat Jet, right? <laughs> There's mm-hmm. a huge platform if you're the guy who beats Jet. Yeah, huge platform for the guy that beat Connor McDavid. Huge platform for the guy who beat Eli Tomac. Right, just use it or yeah. be marketable. Right, right, um, and and. Back to the point about the the endemic media. I mean, they're looking for clicks. They're looking for sound bites. They're looking looking for all that. But you know, mm-hmm. um, the day the fans stop, you know, come to the truck and say, "Hey, I don't like you because Kiefer said this," or "I don't like you because this media said that," then I might pay attention. You're going to, uh, and I, and I I know this doing this, you know, doing podcast shows for a long time. Like, you never will make everybody happy. There will be people who don't like Jet, and that is great. That is also great. Like you said, you love Jet, you hate Jet. I get it all. You you know, I do – you don't like this show, you do like this show. Like, I'm just going to do what I'm going to do, and and whether you like it or not is is your choice, and cool. Like, we'll move on in this world, right? Um, No, sure. And and that's the way way sports work and athletics work and all of that, you know? Um, I was having a discussion with an X-Factory rider who was like, you got you media guys, you know, you don't really know what it's like to, you know, have the pressure we have and you guys just sit there and judge us right or wrongly or whatever. And I was like, well, you get paid a lot of money to ride a dirt bike. And, you know, there's it's not all sunshine and rainbows. The, the bad part is the pressure and the people that are writing about you for the fans that love you that pay your salary in a roundabout way. And this person wasn't really seeing it that way. And I was like, I don't want to tell you, man, I guess. You know, you can just be an accountant and no one will judge you and you just do your job nine to five every day and 40 hours a week. And, you know, otherwise, if, when you're in the ring, when you step in the ring of a high athletic pressure, you are not going to make everybody happy. That's it. No, it, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it's like, to be honest. Like, I don't think I was ever built the right way, what we expect out of these young athletes, not just yet. Like, what we ask out of them is a lot. And then it's like, hey – do all this work and then be judged at nine nine at nine p.m. on a Saturday night. Then everyone's going to write about you, right? So it's more. Some guys don't don't gel with it, right? They're like, that sucks. Like they don't know what they go through and whatnot. It, it, it's a part of it, right? And I think that's more of an education process that starts early on, right? Like it, it, it's tough for them not to get offended, right? Um, especially with the work they do, not getting the result, and then the media says, "Hey, this guy's sucking." Right? It's your right to tell him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, 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 that's how it goes. Like ESPN, I can tell you, ESPN and all those, you know, Skip Bayless and yeah. Stephen A. They're way harsher than our industry. Oh, way, way harsher, right? Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, uh, and so, yeah. so like, I, I'll always kind of tell my athletes, like, oh, <laughs> like, Dak Prescott's <laughs> fifth cousin removes getting death threats after a Sunday after the Cowboys lose. Yeah. From, from yeah. Stand. So, I don't agree it, with it, I don't agree with that stuff, but yeah, it's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. but to the extreme, that's like yep. for what what yeah, what those deal with. Through, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm for not sure. Gonna, I'm not going to sit down there and cry with them. I'm going to be like, hey, toughen up. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you sucked. You're going to get hot. Oh, you made a bad choice. Or oh, jet. You know, for jet, we we've had to walk back a few. Of the, you know, in the, in the early days, we've had to walk back a couple of things we said in mm-hmm. press conferences or yep, whatever. Yep. We like. And even me, I felt like responsible, kind of going, yeah, I could have told him not to do this or yeah. I'll say that. That was more built on emotion or, yep, yep, or whatnot. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, the, I think the number one thing is is, is if the media is going to have opinion or if you're a budding journalist or, you know, one, be there. Two, just study the facts, right? It's all there. The teams know it, right? They, they're looking at lap time segments all day. They know where they're sucking or where they're not. It's when people throw out an opinion and they, they're like, mm, yeah. you were wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You, you, you were wrong. Or if you're, you're throwing out clickbait stuff, and me and you are seeing that more and more now where guys are doing, you know, these uh, swipe up thumbnails, bullshit that you see on YouTube and all yeah. of this to, to grab these grab these likes. Like, I, I'm, we're just not going to respect that. I, I I understand the role of it, but like, if you're going to do that and then be wrong, we're going to shut you out. You know, or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and that's just really bad journalism, right? Uh, it's more, it's poor opinion based journalism's tough, but poor opinion opinion based journalism <laughs> even worse. It's you worse, know, yeah, worse. Yeah, it, it's worse. So right. you know, um, I respect them. Like, I don't want people saying, oh. Myrtle's got it out for Kiefer or whatnot, but, you know, I'm just saying, like... Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just talking think, in general, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just... It's it's hard to value when people aren't at the races or aren't there and, you know, you're 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 depending on the NBC broadcast to, to gather your opinion on a certain athlete's uh, day or their race, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, that... that right, that's a rough look and a rough take, but uh, <laughs> fly racing race race podcast with Lucas Myrtle. Thank you to the folks at uh, Renthal Maxis, uh, all balls racing, motorsport.com, Cobo links all on board with us before I let you go. Mertz, uh, the world supercross. Yep. This is you and I have had some conversations about this. Uh, I talked to the mm-hmm. two, the principals involved in this, this world supercross thing is interesting for sure. I mm-hmm. think we'll get the Justin Brayton, Marvin Muskin guys doing it. Um, I don't think we're going to lose our stars, quote unquote, um, to uh, to the World Supercross rounds. Now they did kind of say Jet was going to do one or something at, in my interview. Um, I, I don't know all the, the the politics behind that, but overall, in in general, is this thing going to work? Is this gonna is this gonna take off? What's your thoughts? <sighs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah I, right now i don't have enough info to say yes or no but um my athletes aren't going to ever abandon the ama motocross series um and yep. do a supercross only um are you with me though like i think it's gonna work i just don't think it's gonna like yeah, take over no, I, you know I, I, I think there's a place for, you know uh, it's it's tricky like 
there's no European Supercross stars, mm-hmm. you know. They're, they're racing MXGP, and that that's that's a nice gig, to be honest. You know, you, you're going to race 19 rounds of motocross all year. You just get ready for motocross. It, we've got a tricky schedule here where half the year you're supercross and half the year you're outdoors, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't love athletes racing supercross all year. Like, I have we not seen what the what the 450 class looks like right now? Like, guys in eighth and ninth getting lapped? Like, and you're, we're wanting to race more supercross? Like, Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Um, I kind of quit question that. Happy to be proven wrong. I question that. I um, I think our fans love a break. I, I, I'm looking forward to the outdoors. Um, I absolutely, personally love the outdoors, from Redbud to Millville to you know Thunder Valley. I, I think it's an incredible series that really touches the endemic end user. Mm-hmm. Right, a lot of people. A lot of people will go, "Oh, it's Supercross hits way bigger numbers," but Supercross is more entertainment. Now, if I'm a manufacturer, to pay and uh, build bikes for the best riders in the world, that people, you know, let's just say sixty percent of the people there at Thunder Valley have ridden that track. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's what that, I think. That, yeah, that's really neat. Yep. And so I'll, I'll always fight it. It depends what side you're on but i don't see ama motocross going anywhere and i for one will never abandon it because um i'm the one who does the deals with the manufacturers and they're the yeah it touches the end user a guy a guy cheering on ken rocks and chase sexton or you know jason anderson at thunder valley he probably good chances he owns a 450 yeah right yep right and he's rode that corner he's rode that track now that that's that's something special we as a sport have right like it's not like you can go to a nascar you know out at pomona here and go yeah i've taken my car around this track i know what that corner yeah yeah us as a sport in motocross it's valuable and i i'll defend it i think the teams do do a great job on, on the series and i i I, for one, love it. And to go back to the World Supercross, I, from what I'm told, you know, and I'm fed, honestly, I'm fed, I'm not the expert of what exactly they're going to do, how they're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, and for what I, what I understand, they, they'll run in, in conjunction with, you know, over the top of the outdoor motocross. Well, that runs, that signs all my guys out. Yeah. Yep. So, so, and I've, I've told those guys that. Uh, I'm happy to if there was a way around it, but yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just being straight honest. Yeah. And I was honest with, with Adam and, and Ryan Sanderson about it. Um, I'm interested you know. to see how it goes. I, I think, I think they're thinking they're going to get big stars and I'm mm-hmm. thinking they're getting riders that kind of just want, you know, one last payday and our name brands, yeah. but not, you know, they're not getting the, the Lawrence's and Chase Sexton and, in their prime American riders. And I think that they think that they will. And so this will be, this will be interesting for all of us on the sidelines. So, yeah. yeah I, and I may, I may be wrong on it. Yeah. I may yeah. crow on it. And they're like, Oh, Merrill took a three sixty on that, you know, yeah. but as of, as of right now, yeah. I, there's not a pass for, for jet hunter, my, my, all my clients to kind of really get there when I, quite frankly, we want to race outdoors. I, don't yeah. necessarily think there's a hankering for another 12 supercrosses right now. What, we got two rounds to go? Like, 
yeah, let's let's change it up. And I think every fan would agree with me. Yeah, I think we're all looking forward to the outdoors. It's a reset. It's a new new championship. It's yeah. yeah. I think we we got enough Supercross right now. I I, I truly think that. I mean, I don't know how you feel, Steve. Like, are you like, oh my god, feel like you're going A one right now? No, we, we just said this on our review pod. By the end of Supercross, you're ready for outdoors, and by the end of outdoors, you're ready for Supercross. It, it, uh, yeah. it works out yeah. nicely that way, you know? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't think it's broke, right? I, I honestly don't think it's broke. So, No, I think it, you know certain guys at the end of their career or there, there may be some superstars moving forward that want to want to move away from that, but I don't think it's a mass exodus going, we want to race 30 yeah. Supercrosses a year. Um, and it's hard to stay healthy. Yeah, absolutely. No, or or, yeah. or stay motivated. You know, and and just the business, the way the business is set up over here. We 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 we're contracted by U.S. based manufacturers. Right. Uh, yeah. All uh, so, all great points for sure. But but, yeah. uh, but Ryan, I'll give Ryan and Adam all the credit in the world. They're great friends of mine, and, and they've got big vision. And I'm sure this, this is going to morph into maybe be something a little different than what was first anticipated um you know I, i'd definitely be interested if it you know getting ran, um ran into the off season getting you know? more riders paid is always a good thing you know yeah whoever it is oh, trust, yeah trust me like trust me I, we want to maximize yeah. an athlete's career and their earning potential throughout that time span that's what i'm all for and i'm, I'm all for more events but it's also got to kind of fit in it's got to make make sense. So, like in the future, you know, I, I've been the, the first guy to really stand up and go, "Hey, I, I love the old the older tradition didn't want to go to Paris or didn't want to do those things. I'm more like, guys, what else are you doing? Yeah, do it. yeah, make yeah, that, yeah. Make that money and talk, go and see those fans in those countries. I'm 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 all for it. But but to to massacre the outdoor um, series like. That I just probably would have taken a different bet on that, to be honest. But yep, no, I, I think uh, I think I agree, and I think it should have been in the fall, and it should have been a shorter series. But hey, more luck, more. But, good. And it yeah. might change. Like yeah, hopefully it, might. it does yeah. change. Hopefully it does change, and it'll be like, yeah, like I can go to American Honda, I can go to Kawasaki, and speak with Bruce and Dan, and, and, and go speak to those guys, and go, hey, on this next contract, like we're, we're going to want to do that, the five races outside yeah. you know yeah but as of right now no one's in a in a contract to permit that and nor would you know any of the manufacturers be like super thrilled no for, for their superstar to go race five rounds out of in a territory they don't sell motorcycles in mm-hmm. i mean it's, yeah i think i think i think you've it, uh, it's you've nailed tricky. it right absolutely it, it's tricky but like i said i'm i'm here to support it and I, I'm looking for a way. Everyone calls me. He's like, "Is you guys doing it? Like, how are you going to pull this off?" I'm yeah. still don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I hope I make it out to some of them too, uh, as a as a media guy. So you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah, mind watching. Yeah, it's football them. season. It's football season, so I'm not going to be jumping at the bit to jump on a plane. Or right. You like there. the you like the Cowboys. It's 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 hopeless. So just you could do it. I like I like gambling. <laughs> yeah, good point. That is that is true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, uh, uh, no, thanks for doing no. this, Mertz. Yeah, I really no, appreciate no it. Problem. Always, always good no to talk to you. At all. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, we will. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get together soon. See yeah, you on the weekend, mate. Sounds good, Mertz. Thanks for doing the Fly Racing Race Rex podcast. Thanks, buddy. See you, Steve. See Bye. You. Bye.
This has been the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show, presented by Maxis Tires, Renthal, Motorsport.com, and Kuba Links on RacerXOnline.com. Thanks for listening and supporting our partners. Don't change the air. Don't change the air.